Last week we looked at salvation by grace. In fact, last week uh, and into the fall we've been asking the question, if we spent all summer looking at one another's and how we're supposed to treat one another's, love one another, forgive one another, accept one another, bear one another's burdens, uh, these, these 50 plus verses in the Bible about one anothering, at the end of summer and into the fall we said, well why don't we? Why don't we one another like we're supposed to? Why don't we relationally treat one another like we're supposed to? And, and we've been sort of peeling back layers. Maybe our priorities are wrong. Maybe our focus is wrong. Maybe what we think is important to God really isn't. Right? Martha and Mary. And last week we, we, we looked at, well, maybe we don't one another. We, we're not in relationship with one another like God calls us to. Because maybe our relationship with the Lord isn't clear. Maybe, maybe we have to really, really get some great clarity through Scripture and the Holy Spirit and make sure that, that our focus and, and, and our heart is right vertically before we go this way. Because Jesus says, right, love one another as I have loved you. So if we're not real clear on our love relationship with Jesus and how he has loved us, how are we supposed to love one another? There's a direct correlation to that, right? And, and last week, we, we looked at the gospel, really. And what does the gospel mean? Good news, right? Good news. And we saw in Acts 20, 24, it's actually called the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of grace. And in fact, we're saved by grace, right? Simple definition we saw last week was grace in simple terms is God's unmarried favor. <laughs> and supernatural enablement, and empowerment for salvation and for daily sanctification. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. Grace is what every man needs, what none can earn, and what God alone can and does freely give. Right? So we're saved by grace. It's the gospel of grace. It's the God of all grace. And so, so how do we access that? What, how, do we, how do we tap into this grace if we're saved by grace, right? And we looked at Acts 16, that supernatural story where Paul and Silas were in jail. There's this earthquake, the prison door is open. The jailer thinks all the prisoners have escaped, so he's about to kill himself. And Paul's like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, we're all here, right? The jailer freaks out, Acts 16. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And we use that story to launch us, right? The, the most important question on this planet How can I be saved? That, that's the eternal question. That is the question. Right? And we saw last week, the Apostle Paul answers it in ten words. Pretty crazy. And we were asked, we challenged ourselves last Sunday, if you left here and you were at Cafe Emporium, and someone says, hey, by the way, you guys just came from church? Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 my ride's waiting for me, I got a minute. My buddy's in the bathroom, as soon as he leaves, we're going to go. But you, you just came from church, right? You're some of them churches, right? Right? Did you, you were the well? Did you go to the well? You came from the well, right? My buddy's in the bathroom. I gotta leave. I got 30 seconds. How do I get saved? 
Thanksgiving outreach, and I'm trying to get him on a school bus to get him to Claremont so we can give him food, clothing, resume, and all that stuff. And the guy can't come, but he asked me, how do I become a Christian? And I literally had 30 seconds to a minute because I was already late to the bus. How do you pare it down? What do you, what, what's the essential? What would you say, right? Most important question. Sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we understood faith. We, we, we tapped into grace. We access grace through faith. But then we ask the question, well, what is faith? What is biblical faith? In fact, what is saving faith? And we saw last week that, that biblical faith has three elements. Three elements. There's knowledge, getting knowledge, understanding. There's an issue of assent or agreeing with it. Yeah, okay, okay. And the one that, that really is, is sort of the deal breaker, if you want to call it that, the one that gets everyone to the line, but that's about as far as you get, the third element of biblical saving faith is trust. 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 Right? There's a lot of people that know a lot, agree, but do you trust? Do you trust? And what do you mean by that? Here's an example. Right now, you are all exhibiting faith in something. What is that something? Your chair! Does anyone have any anxiety? Is anyone here having any anxiety about your chair? Did you even give it a second thought? Is there anyone helping your chair? Right? So, so an example of visual faith is you come in, you look at the chair. You might even test the chair. Right? I give you the manual. The manufacturers describe how the chair is made, what it's made of, what how much weight it's supposed to support. So you get this knowledge, you look at the chair, and you're like, I agree. I think that could I think that chair could hold me up, no problem. All right, let's go eat. We'll get in. I don't know. But she said, we'll sit down. But she said, you know what it's made of. You know the you know the load capacity. You agree with it all. It's all in the book. We'll sit down. You see, that's that's. There's the line. It's trust. It's trust. And that's the way it is with saving faith. At a certain point, you can grow up in Sunday school, you can go to BBS, you can go to church, you can learn a lot of stuff, you can learn this, you can even agree with this. But do you trust? What is the object that we're supposed to trust? We have the faith, biblical faith as an object, right? So what do you say, okay, it's trust, but trust what? Trust who, right? Well, the Bible tells us, Galatians 2. We who are Jews by birth and not simple Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith, here's the object, in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith, what? In Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith, what? 
in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You, you, you have to have trust, but the trust has to have an object. Two crucial elements. Right? We look at Matthew 7, a verse passage that really, really just tears my heart as a pastor when people say, Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we heal people? Didn't we cast out demons? And Jesus says, I never knew you. Away from me. Lord, did we go to the well? Did we go to church? Did we go to Monday night, Tuesday night? Did we go to Price is Right? <laughs> Like, yeah, that's all awesome. You built houses, you did all kinds of good stuff, and then but Jesus, like, I never knew you. I never knew you. What's the difference? That word no is not here. It's gnosko. It, the word no is intimacy. It, it's like intimacy in a marriage. That's what they're talking about. Gnosko. I never knew you intimately. I never had a personal relationship with you. What he's saying is, you never trusted me. You never trusted me. That's what separates. That, that's the line of just resting. Resting on Jesus. Resting fully. Your full eternal weight, if you want to call it. Right now. Resting. Right? Ah, I'm going to test on you. If you're physically able, now lift your feet off the ground. Ooh. Everyone go, ooh. Now you're really out there on the chair. You're really out there if you put your feet up. Because now, right, if, if you felt something, you would stand right up with you, right? Put your feet up. Now people love the whole service. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's like, When you lift your feet up, you are literally now, even, even a little bit more saying, not fully, this chair's got to support me or I'm done. That's what Jesus is saying. Get your feet off the ground. I am the object of your faith. The important thing about biblical faith is that there's an element of trust, but the object has to be really clear. It's not how much faith you manufacture. A lot of us are going to have a lot of faith. No. What's really important is the object of your faith. You can have this much faith in a big God. Amen? Mustard seed, big God. Makes all the eternal difference. Makes all the daily difference. I told you about the story. We had a wheelbarrow up here. We told you famous story of the famous tightrope walker. Charles Wild in like 1800s. First one to string a tightrope across Niagara Falls. 1,100 feet. He goes back and forth and back and forth. Bunch of people show. He starts putting things on the wheelbarrow. You know, book or bricks. And at a certain point, he turns to the crowd. How many of you believe I can put someone in here and make it across? What do you think the crowd did? Yeah! And he says, get in! <laughs> no! <laughs> and that's what kind of it is with the Lord. We had a wheelbarrow, and many of you, and I was so blessed last week, many of you, symbolically, made a decision to guide with Jesus. There was a get in the wheelbarrow moment. There was a trust moment. And you, many of you in your chairs, and then you came forward, you opened up the front, and it was a powerful movement. And it wasn't just something, you know, we've never really done it here, but we just thought, Lord, sometimes we need to just, I know we get so stirred, we got to, we need to breathe, we need to And so we opened it up, and we said, you know what? If God's prompting you to get in the wheelbarrow, 
and trust Jesus to get you across the rope. Get in. And so many of you did. And it was a getting moment. I talked with some of you this evening, and it was such a beautiful thing because some of you said, Ah, I finally understood. It's not faith in me having faith. It's faith in Jesus. In fact, Jesus, he has this conversation with the, with, the, with the religious leaders, and it's really important that you understand this. In John 5, he's telling this. He's having kind of a debate argument with the religious leaders. And he says this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. See, these religious leaders, they know their Bibles inside and out. They're studying it left and right. Because they believe this is the object of the faith, is what they're studying, the head knowledge. He says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me, to have life. He's like, hey guys, you're off. You missed the point. The whole Bible points to who? Jesus. And he's telling these religious leaders, you're studying, you're studying, you go to Bible study and all this kind of stuff. And you think by all your studying, you're good to go. He's like, you missed the point, fellas. It's all about me, Jesus. Come to me, Jesus. I'm the object of your faith. Really important that we don't miss that. Because, see, this is where we get kind of, get real busy in church and go to Bible study. And pastor says, read your Bible. Pastor says, have a quiet time. Pastor says this, pastor says that. And if we're not careful, even in the church, we start to have faith in us having faith. We start to have faith in all the stuff we do. Rather than trusting Jesus, like you trust that chair here. Just getting in the wheelbarrow and saying, okay, okay. And that's hard. I know that because it requires that keyword again trust. And I don't know about you, but growing up, I had some issues with trust. Not everyone in my life was trustworthy. Anyone? And I had people betray deep trust. And I had people tell me things to my face that weren't true. Only to find out, man, really? You're a dog. How could you do that? I thought we were boys. Deep betrayal. To the point where I just decided, probably about junior high and high school, I just don't trust anybody. And I don't need anybody. And so my world became this. And if you got too close, it became this. Because I didn't really want to go through the pain of being betrayed and trusting again. Only to have my heart broken. Only to whatever. All that comes. And so I understand. I really do. That you come to church, you hear us preach, you hear us teach, and then the T word comes up. Trust. Trust. So here's the glorious thing. I'm not asking you to trust me for your salvation. Please do not do that. <laughs> or this organization called the Well. Please do not do that. Why? Because we're simple, fallible human beings. And at some point we're going to let you down. Probably step on your toes. Probably say something that bends you a little bit. And probably have to ask you forgiveness more than once. We do our best here to point you to the true object of your faith. 
in whom you can trust completely, Jesus Christ. And why do I say that? Because I'm in the blue girl with you. I just am. I mean, it's funny, right? We had one wheelbarrow that's like, okay, that probably fit one of us. The truth is, it's a ginormous wheelbarrow. And if you trust Jesus, you all get in, and it's called the church. And we're all in this wheelbarrow called the church, and some of us are white knuckling it. Some of us have one foot out the wheelbarrow trying to help. Others are like, yeah, this is awesome! Woo! The wheelbarrow! We're all in the wheelbarrow, amen? Because we all get put in because we all trust Jesus. And we're all kind of going to infallible, oh, not infallible, we're going to fallible churches with human beings. We're sitting next to people that probably upset us at some point this week. <coughs> Go ahead and smile and say, forgive me, please. Go ahead. It's not what happened already. Just say, forgive me. It already happened, I know. So, so I want to encourage you. I know, and I want to affirm you, and I want to, and I, I was so blessed last Sunday that some of you took that step between you and the Lord, and it was terrifying. I know. And it took a lot of courage. I just want to affirm you and, and say thank you for listening to the Lord and responding in faith and trust. I know it's huge. Because I've been here. I've been here. And, and, and it's not easy. And so we, we want to move forward now with this grace. Because, okay, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. If we're not careful, many of us in the church, we get in the wheelbarrow and we start moving along and we understand sanctification. And somewhere along the line, we kind of assume or guess or think that grace got left back at conversion. We're saved by grace, aren't we? Okay, God's unmerited favor. I couldn't earn it. Woo, I put my trust in Jesus. I'm saved. Now, i got to do my best in my own strength to follow Jesus. Well, what happened to grace? Well, grace was right there at the cross. That's when I got saved. That's when I needed grace. Isn't it? Is that where grace stays? Is it now I'm saved by grace, but now I get myself right on my own intentions and my good efforts and my own strength? I'm saved by grace, but I'm sanctified myself. It's all up to me. We need grace every day. Grace is for salvation, and grace is for sanctification. And this is where we're going to stay. We're going to spend the fall looking at this thing called grace. Because it can radically, radically transform your understanding of who you are in Christ, understand the church, and then understand how you're supposed to treat one another. Because we're all living under grace. Still. Still. I love this quote by... John MacArthur, it, grace, means a favor bestowed. It means a generous benefit freely given. The sense of it in the New Testament is that it means a favor bestowed by God through his power to transform a person's life, here it is important, starting at salvation and going on from there. We all start at grace. We all start receiving unmerited favor, God's gift. And here's the crazy thing. We should all be living by grace. It's the great equalizer of everyone in this room. God's grace. 
God's grace. You see, sometimes in the church, we, we try to like measure up to each other. Well, he's an elder, and the worship team, she's on the prayer team, and all of a sudden we start trying to figure out the pecking order, right? And I don't know, they're real super spiritual ones, right? Right? Like, I could never be like, and I could never be like. And we start to have this merit system, this performance system, even in the church, we compare one another and how spiritual we think we are. The truth is, every Christian in here lives by grace. It's all by grace. That's it. It's just grace. And I love this Romans 5.17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, right, talking about Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Don't miss that last part. Much more. Don't say much more. Will those who receive, everyone say receive, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign, everyone say reign, in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is not about much more. And who is this open to? And please do not say Bill and Michelle and Boris and all those super, you know, the A-team. Who is he talking to here? Who is able to receive the abundance of grace and reign in life? Who? Every believer. Every believer can grasp, receive, grasp, take hold of the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, and do what? What's the word? Reign in life. See, a lot of us, as believers, you get saved and you feel like, oh, just woe is me. Woe is me. Carry my cross until I go see Jesus. And I'm walking around. And like, you want to come to my church? It's so awesome. Come. Come to Jesus. It's such a wonderful thing. Just take my way till I get to heaven. Come. But you want to come with me? Saved by grace through faith. Now I just gotta, it's like a Spartan race. <laughs> gotta endure all these obstacles and then I barely cross the line in the early days. I'm here! Third <laughs> <laughs> lost Spartan medal, Jesus. I made it. He says, according to that verse, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace reign in life. How many of you want to reign in life? Okay, five of you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have a copy of Douglas. Y'all tell me what you're going to do. <laughs> why are we so... Uh, why is it so scary to say, I want to reign? Right? Why is, it so, why is it so weird to say, I want to be victorious? I want to be more than a conqueror. Where, why are we so... Why, why are we so... Like this. 
one hand? Do you want to ring two hands? Or do you want to ring like this? How many ringing around here? Crazy, right? We get all crazy. We get all crazy. I understand there's a lot of church backgrounds here, and, I, I, and knowing one would be disrespectful. But, I, but sometimes we get so bound up. I come from the Roman Catholic tradition. We didn't talk for an hour and 15 minutes. You weren't allowed to talk or move much on wooden pews. My mom had us trained. And if we were we were a little bit um, jumpy on one, she had gum. And she knew when to bring out the gum. Quiet Richie down. Now he's crawling into the pews. Here, the gum. Right? So I grew from a purpose tradition. We're very quiet, very respectful, very stoic. Right? That's even a cultural thing for me. Because in culture, we're not very demonstrative, you don't bring attention to yourself. It's, a, it's a sort of very polite, very respectful. So I understand it culturally, understand it in the church background that when I say, Who wants to ready? Some of you really do. But your hand doesn't move. Is that key? I get that. This verse says, If we will grasp, take hold of the abundance of grace, we can reign. Anyway. We can be victorious. We can be one that conquers much more. Today! Today, 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 today. The other reason this might be a little bit hard for us is there's sort of backlash, and I understand this, I'm going to be very careful about this. Depending on what, you, what church exposure you've been to, there's the prosperity gospel. And there's the word of faith movement, which uses kind of the same words. God's blessings, victory, right? Reigning. And here, I want to help you with this. Much of that, much of that teaching is really focused on self. It's really focused on self. Right? It, it's, it's focused on using God to acquire material things for me. A lot of the word of faith teaching out there really kind of says, hey, you can actually control God. By your words. You are a little G-God. You just have to speak it. Speak it and believe it enough. And the crazy thing is, God has to do what you say. And the great thing is, it's all for your benefit. So that's out there, and I know that sometimes you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The well's getting a little crazy. Because now they're talking about reigning in life. Now they're talking about victory. Now they're talking about much more. It's all out of grace. Amen? It's all about appropriating God's grace for the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about appropriating God's grace so instead of orange cars, it's all like Porsches. I'm not saying, you know, appropriate God's grace and you can you know, all this material stuff is coming your way. It's crazy. You can appropriate God's grace and end up poorer than you started. You can, because he calls you somewhere else and he calls you to sacrifice, right? Did you ever think about that? How many of you came to Christ by grace and you're walking by grace, grace, but since you come to Jesus, it seems like your life got a little bit more complicated. <laughs> Anyone? Got a little bit more, you got a little bit more burden for more things. Anyone? He started touching your heart for the lost and the homeless and the helpless and the trafficking and the drug addicts. 
like before you knew Jesus, you were dead to all that. It was just about me and what I wanted. You come to know Jesus, He opens your heart of compassion, and suddenly your life gets more complicated. Because you have that many more burdens. Amen? So, just want to be real quick. We're going to, Lord willing, take hold of, grasp the abundance of grace together, as we understand what the Bible teaches. And Lord willing, He's going he's gonna to set you free. He's going to set you free. Right? The Apostle Paul says this, I became a servant, Ephesians 3, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, here it is, the boundless riches of Christ. He's talking about grace, right? In the New Living Translation it says, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about all the endless treasures available to them in Christ. How many of you would like to know about the endless treasures available to you? Right? The endless treasures. I told you the story about the, the guy, the, the peanut butter guy on the cruise, right? You know, if you've been with me, guy who saved and saved and saved to go on his very first cruise, paid the ticket, but didn't have money for the food. So he fills his luggage with peanut butter and bread. And he starts, every time everyone goes to eat, he goes back to his cabin and has a peanut butter sandwich. Peanut butter sandwich. Goes on for two or three days. Finally, he's sick. A peanut butter sandwich as well. Everyone's going to all the restaurants and buffets on the cruise ship. He goes out and he says, hey, stops one of the, the crew members and says, hey, can you just help me out? Can you still give me some leftovers from one of the restaurants? I haven't had a peanut butter sandwich. I couldn't afford more than a ticket. And the, the, cat, the crew member says, sir, Everything was included in the ticket. Everything was included. I think a lot of us as believers don't know what's included in the ticket. We're living peanut butter Christian lives. And the Lord says, have some tri tip. It's included. <laughs> See, I can call it. Oh, I guess that. And everyone listening to my right? Are you peanut butter? Are you just kind of getting along? Uh, okay. <laughs> or do you really know everything that came with the ticket when you died in the little girl with Jesus? And the truth is, it's all about grace. His grace. And so we're going to look at this because Romans 5 1 says this Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Things we talked about. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace. There's the access part. Now this is important. This is the part. In which we now what? Stand. In which we now what? Stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That word stand means permanent, secure, fixed. So if you're a believer in Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, according to this verse, you now stand somewhere. Where? Where are you standing? In grace! You're in grace right now. According to that verse, you put your faith in Jesus, point out, into this grace in which we now stand. Positionally, you're standing in grace. What does that even mean? Well, we're going to get there, but I just want you to understand, biblically, you're there. You're there! You're in grace. You're permanently fixed, secure, standing in grace. 
according to God's riches, you're in grace. You are already there. Now, it's crazy. It's not just a mental thing, because when you look at this down the road, we're to grow in grace, we're to be strong in grace, we're to be faithful stewards of God's grace. So faith, grace is not some passive thing where you're like, oh, I'm standing in God's grace. I'm standing in God's grace. That's all I have to do is stand in God's grace. No. You're to grow in grace. You're to be strong in grace. You're to be a faithful steward of grace. We're going to look at this as we move forward, right? And then it says this, 2 Corinthians 6.1. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. We're to grow in grace, be strong in grace, be faithful stewards of grace. But this one says, we're not to receive God's grace in vain. Wow. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm not supposed to receive God's grace in vain. Well, that, that word vain means empty, without result, useless. It means to not have any meaningful impact. It's talking about our lives. It says, hey, don't receive God's grace and not have it impact your life in the way it's supposed to. Otherwise, it's just vain. It's empty. It's useless. It's just, it's just empty, right? Imagine this. Imagine somebody... Michelle, I need you. Imagine somebody gives Michelle an, uh, an ATM card. Says, Michelle, here's a pen. Use it to pay off all your debt. Okay. And then I'm going I'm to let you have it And any other need that comes across your path Financially Just use it for that too For, for the rest of your time on this path <laughs> You're ready to go, right? <laughs> like this Now imagine I give her the card She tucks it in her wallet And never uses it The ATM card was designed to qualitatively change her life. If she doesn't use it, she received it in vain. The ATM card was designed, its purpose was to qualitatively change your life. If you choose not to use it and tuck it away, then you just received it in vain. You're not using it for the purpose which it was given, to qualitatively change your existence. That's what he's saying here. We stand in grace. And it's designed, there's a purpose behind us standing in grace and taking hold of God's grace. It is to qualitatively change our life. To reign. To be victorious. To prove this year. The question is, have you said, no, God's grace is
Great question. Why don't we avail ourselves of the grace card? Well, some of us just didn't know. And I'm, I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful that we teach the word here because now you can start to know. We're going to go real slow and you can understand. And my hope is you're like, what's the pin? <laughs> Here's the pin to the grace card. J-E-S-U-S. That's the pin. We just saw faith in Jesus gives us access to grace. That's the pin. J-E-S-U-S. So what's available? That's the good news. I, I, I'm excited. I'm so excited. For us. To all punch J-E-S-U-S and start. Start with Appropriating what's already there. Say, it's already there. It's already there. It's already there. It's already there. The minute you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you stand in grace, you're surrounded by it. You're surrounded by everything you need for life and godliness, First Peter. You're surrounded. You're in it. It's all around you. It's like one of those doughboy pools, right? It's like a swimming pool. Who has a swimming pool, right? It's all around you. You're already in the grace pool, if you want to call it that. You're in. And there's a purpose to give you the abundant life that Jesus says he came to give you. Right? Right? The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. We all know in Acts 9, in Saul, he was persecuting the church. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? All in Acts 9. But by the what? Grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Here's a testimony. Hey, it wasn't in vain. Look at my life. I appropriated God's grace. He changed me. Great testimony. It was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. He says, you know what? And I worked really hard. But by the way, all my hard work was in the grace of God too. You can't escape grace. Even everything you do for God is of God's grace from Him. It's inescapable. It's inescapable. I love what he says there. For I am the least of the apostles. You know what that word is? Present tense. I am. I am. I am the least of the apostles. I'm sorry, I'm excited. I'm sorry. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's the other I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God. Question Do you know what you am? Today, present tense, continuous. It's present tense, continuous. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What am you? <laughs> See, this is the first step. If we're together going to appropriate God's grace moving forward, we have to settle who we are. Amen? He did. He did. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I was a persecutor, now I'm a preacher. I was putting, I was putting you Christians in jail... I met Jesus, and now he called me to actually serve him on the front lines. By the grace of God, and conversely, I am what I am, by the grace of God. Right? So by the grace of God, and I am what I am, 
See, this is the difference between hearing it, I agree with that, and trusting. Many of you have heard that. The problem is you don't trust it. You don't trust it. Try saying it like you trust it. By the grace of God, I am a new creation. Let's go to the next Riley. By the grace of God, I am no longer a slave to sin. Now think about all the stuff you went through this past week. Think about all the um, Just think about it. Don't share. Just think about the sin, <laughs> the temptation, the things that drag you down that you feel like you're just stuck in. Now we're going to say it as if you're appropriating this grace. By the grace of God, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. By the grace of God. Ah. Reign in life. Victorious Christian living. Right. Next one. By the grace of God, I am justified in the peace of God. I am justified in the peace with God. By the grace of God. You know what justified means? Declare not guilty for the righteous. You've been declared not guilty. Permanently. Not guilty. And not just not guilty, but you are fully righteous. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ as you sit here. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Next one. By the grace of God. I am a child of God. Take you out! 
walk around churches with a bit of an attitude. You can't touch me. My father will fire your father. <laughs> your dad works for my dad. They got a little attitude because of the relationship of their father to the circumstance, environment. Amen? Okay, fellow GKs. Our father created the universe. Our father has abundant riches. Our father owns it all. Our father told us how the book ends. We kind of, kind of have a little bit of a grace flag. He <laughs> says we're citizens of heaven. Huh? I'm not just a GK, I'm a citizen of heaven. Nothing in my life will touch me unless my father allows it. Sovereignty of God. Nothing in my life can touch me. Nothing in my life is allowed to come and even happen without my father's permissive will. That's the sovereignty of God. And the crazy thing is, my father's good, he's love, and he's grace. Next one. By the grace of God, I am forgiven. That's as you sit here. That's not past tense. Remember, when Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, he's speaking in present tense. So, for all of you GKs, all of you who put your faith in Jesus, as you sit here, you are forgiven right now. You stand forgiven. You stand as a child of God. You stand justified. It's present tense. Right now. All you have to do is take it up and grasp it. Take hold of it. Receive it. So it says receive it. How do you receive it? Right? How do you receive it? In the James 4, 6, and 7. He gives us more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do we receive it? When it says God opposes the proud, you know what that is? That's pretty strong. It's a military term. It actually means battles against. It's a military picture. <laughs> Whoa. God is militarily opposed to the proud. But I love this part. It gives grace. To who? Humble. Biblical humility is not beating yourself up and thinking less of yourself. And oh, you're such an idiot. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, oh, and beating yourself up. That is not biblical humility. Biblical humility is actually seeing yourself rightly before God. It's an honest assessment. It's just seeing yourself accurately and honestly before God. That's humility. Right? Pride is about self-righteousness, self-sufficiency, I don't need help, I'm pretty independent, God, I'll call you if I need you. I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look like a punk when I grew up. Because I don't want to look punk by the guys. Right? So we get kind of prideful, even in the church. This quote was really powerful. Ray Stedman says, It scares me to think that whenever I'm trying to live for myself, for my own advancement, that God is lined up against me. He resists that kind of thinking. Holy cow. Whenever I exalt myself, Who's on, the other, who's on the other side of the line skirmish? <laughs> he opposes the proud. 
But you want grace? Humble yourself. See yourself rightly. Oh, Lord. Just see yourself rightly. The humble, deeply conscious of their sinfulness and need, gladly acknowledge their dependence on God and rest in his all-sufficiency. Like empty vessels, they are ready to receive his grace. And his help goes far beyond anything they deserve. What can I be expect? What does it feel like to, to humble yourself and say, Lord, do this? Close your eyes and now literally rest in that chair. Put your full, full weight on the chair and receive the support of that chair. That's humbling yourself to the chair. You are now submitted and surrendered to that chair. You just receive it. You're not doing anything. Right? And sometimes before the Lord, we need to quiet ourselves from the busyness of life. And we need to sit quietly and freely receive. Like you are in that chair. So some of us, it might be an issue of pride. Some of us have been there. I've been there. I grew up driven, married, being married, sports, school, I get the pride thing. Some of us might be to go back to the trust. Is that really true? Am I really standing in grace? Am I a child of God? Am I forgiven? For some of you this morning, I'm sorry. You do this and just receive. Because this says it's true. If you're doubting, if you're doubting God's grace for you, this is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's what they call an argument in the grave. If God gave us the grace already, His Son Jesus, won't He graciously give you everything you need for your life? That's grace. He's already demonstrated the greatest gift of grace ever. Right at the cross. Won't He now meet all of your needs? He's already demonstrated the greatest. Won't he graciously give you everything you need for your life? When you start to appropriate that and grasp it, watch out. <coughs> watch out what happens. Because suddenly your worldview changes. Suddenly you're walking around with a little bit of a GK attitude. <laughs> Matthew 6, when he's talking about not worrying, and he says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and all that. The pagans do all that. And then he says this, your father knows what you need. Right? Jesus, your father knows what you need. Don't be acting like the unbelievers, your GKs. Don't worry. Your father knows. What's that? Grace. That's a, that's a grace passage. That's a grace passage. That frees us from worry. What's worry? Strangling and choking. So you can walk around 
Victorious over worry. Amen?
love you. I want to ask your forgiveness for what it's all about me. And Lord, I just want to come to the cross and, and, and humble myself and say, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for who I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am.